Hello and welcome back to Nerdy Girl Reviews, a podcast where I talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about completely unprompted. My name is Katie and I plan on sharing all of my unsolicited, salacious opinions on all things movies, media, TV, books, streaming, I said those out of order, but it doesn't really matter because today is an unscripted, off-the-cuff kind of thing. I don't know why I've been doing that lately. I just am feeling a weird sense of loss of control (laughs) or something. Having a week off, not talking about Vox Machina and kind of trying to figure out personal stuff and uh, just figuring out my life. But today I wanted to talk about the fact that I have finished campaign two of Critical Role and I did cry. I'm not a complete monster, but I'm going to say about it the same thing that I said to my sister about episode three of The Last of Us, which I did watch. I am caught up on. I did watch the finale last night as well. So clearly lots of emotional stuff happening for me right now. What I said was I'm, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because it's beautiful and I am moved by it. And that's how I was feeling about the end of campaign two. It was beautiful and I was moved by it. And um, yeah, in a nutshell, I loved it. (laughs) Uh, And something that I've been telling others a lot is the fact that I was very grateful to not be crying tears of complete and utter agony and despair and sadness, but tears of happiness and feeling grateful that everybody got a satisfying conclusion that everybody was alive and in one piece. Kingsley is a little bit questionable there as to the whole one piece thing, but I was very happy to know that Molly is back in some form. He may not be Molly Mock, but he is kind of an extension of Molly Mock, right? And um, I have some controversial opinions about Molly Mock. I think that he is far more beloved than I thought he would be. Um but he didn't really resonate with me as a character. I didn't realize how much I missed him until he was gone. Like, I didn't realize how much I liked him, that is. Then Caduceus came around, and I was immediately on board with Caduceus. I really loved him as a character. He's a very underrated character, in my opinion. I really enjoy him. I really enjoy Taliesin and the work that he did with Caduceus. If I had to say, like, of course, I'm not familiar with Campaign 3 yet, but if I had to rank my favorite Taliesin characters that I've seen in Critical Role, it would be Percy, Caduceus, Molly. Jury's out on Kingsley. He's kind of a a blank slate, right? So kind of hard to pass judgment on him. But yeah, that's all I really wanted to say to start with. But getting into the like meat of it, I guess I'll just start talking about things that I really loved which is most of it. <laughs> I I loved that, I think it was in the previous episode, but I loved that Marion and the gentleman got a second chance. That was really nice. There's just something about the way Matt plays her. There's something about the way that Matt plays every character that he plays that's just so personable, you know, and feels like a well-rounded individual. What I chalk that up to most of the time is just the power and empathy that Matt has as a human being and the propensity that he has to feel things for others and to give everybody uh, an array of of character traits, all of his characters, that is, and just kind of build them out from like a base and then expand and add layers to them. He's just such a kind, 
and caring individual. And I think that that's such a rare gift that he has. Now I'm just getting really sappy. But I loved that, of course. And I love Matthew. And I'll just say it now. I was holding it together so well. Like, when I watched the campaign one finale, I was a sobbing, crying, snotty mess from pretty much the moment that spoilers for campaign one um full spoilers for campaign two as well full spoilers for campaigns one and two of critical role i was a complete sobbing snotty gross mess from the moment that the raven queen showed up until the very last moment of the episode like i am not kidding i don't think i stopped crying the entire however many six hours that fucking finale was with this one I think it was because there wasn't that blanket of sadness over it that I wasn't sobbing the whole way through it. And also the fact, and I I feel mean saying this, but like I never got as into the Mighty Nine as I was Vox Machina, as, as I am Vox Machina. I absolutely adore Vox Machina and their entire story and everything they went through. And I think that's something that Critical Role fans just can't seem to find any kind of common ground on, right? That each of these campaigns is a different flavor. And it might not be your favorite flavor, but it's somebody else's favorite flavor. So if you're a person who started with Campaign 2 and you started with the Mighty Nine, and as a result, you are more attached to them than you are to Vox Machina or Bell's Hells or any other group that Critical Role has done, that's okay, I think that my love of Vox Machina stems from the fact that I started with the animated series and went from there. I completely fell head over heels for all of the characters in the animated series, and I wanted to know more about them, which led me to watching the campaign. And then I just became such a fan of Critical Role as as an entity that I didn't want to let go of watching them all play because there's something so fucking infectious about the way that they interact with each other as characters and the way that their character relationships and their character dynamics inform their real life dynamics and vice versa. All that to say, if Mighty Nine is your favorite and if Campaign 2 is your favorite, then I am so happy for you. (laughs) It was not my favorite personally, but I did get a lot out of it. And I did feel a sense of like calm and healing at the end of it all. Whereas with Vox Machina, I felt bittersweetness and... I guess spoilers for Campaign 3, the most recent episode of Campaign 3, which would be Campaign 3, episode 51, Vax is back, or was momentarily. I did see that spoiler. I have been kind of getting, because I follow the tags and stuff, and I follow people who post Critical Role stuff, I have seen Vax's return, question mark, and also the fact that he got turned into a marble or something. Total Vax move, by the way, to come back from the dead to protect Keyleth and then immediately get turned into an orb. My sweet raven baby boy, that is so on brand. (laughs) And it's even more motivator for me to get into campaign three now. I still have the campaign two wrap up to do. Um, I did start it, but I stopped it around when the... Uh, interview with Kari Payton was starting because I had other stuff to do. I have a life. Little little do some people know. And I am also going to do the Mighty Nine versus Vox Machina one shot and then the Mighty Nine two-part reunion 
I do want to get into Exandria Unlimited and uh, the Exandria Unlimited Calamity things too, but I don't know if... Maybe I'll watch those first. But I really want to be current on Campaign 3. Like, you have no idea. Maybe I can watch them at the same time, but that's, like, a lot to watch. Wow, I am going so off the rails right now, like I usually do when I am unscripted. Anyway, Campaign 2. Overall, I would say I enjoyed it. I will say that I think... I just enjoyed campaign one a little bit more. And I know that a lot of people had issues with campaign one's like quality, sound quality, camera quality, all of that kind of stuff. But what I think that some people fail to recognize and fail to realize is that everybody has to start somewhere, right? Like this started as a very grassroots thing and the public interest in Vox Machina and in campaign one is what has made campaigns two and three and the quality bump and has made the Vox Machina fucking animated series possible is the love that we all have for it and the love that people have had for it for years and the support that they've shown the cast and crew and just the community. That's what it's all about, right? Community. I think that that gets lost a lot. That goes back to a big complaint that people have about Campaign 3 for some fucking reason is it's too tied into Vox Machina. It's too tied into this thing or that thing or whatever. It's inevitable that with building out the world so much, different parts of the world will interact with each other. And it's a vast, vast world and it's a vast lore and continuity that Matt has created. But that said... <laughs> If you are somebody who doesn't enjoy Vox Machina and therefore aren't enjoying Campaign 3 because of it, nobody is fucking forcing you to still watch it. Like, the thing that is so lost on so many of us, I think, and I've been guilty of this too, is again that we're all going to enjoy different things. And if you don't enjoy this, no one's holding a gun to your head. No one's making you watch this. But I'm in it for the long haul. And I've said that about other things. I said it once about Marvel probably. I don't enjoy Marvel movies anymore. And that's not like a blanket statement. That's not a, it's not a objective thing. I am just speaking as somebody who has endured several years of Marvel projects that I just didn't enjoy anymore. And you know what I did? I stopped engaging with it. Like I stopped engaging with the fandom. I stopped watching the things. The last Marvel movie that I watched was Thor Love and Thunder. And I'll be honest, I felt like I wasted my time. And that was enough for me to not want to continue putting myself through experiences that I I wanted so badly to be enjoyable, but I just wasn't getting any enjoyment out of them anymore. Why would I willingly put myself through something that I just don't get any positivity out of, that I don't get any joy out of? So my piece of advice this week, which is the same piece of advice that I gave last week, probably, maybe tangentially somewhat related, is it's okay to take a break and it's okay to step away from things. When I was watching Campaign 2, and I would feel like it was getting repetitive or redundant or I wasn't really as into things anymore, I would just stop watching it for a few days or a week and then I would get back to it and I'd be like, fuck, I really missed The Mighty Nine. When I stopped watching it for a month to focus on the podcast and focus on The Legend of Vox Machina, I came back to it and I was like, oh my god, I fucking love these guys. I missed them so much. I want more of them. And then I only had like a handful of episodes left and then it fucking ended. And then I was sad. Fancy that. I think that burnout is a real thing. And I think that it's something that can be remedied by taking a step back 
and disengaging for a while or disengaging completely. Again, if you're not getting any joy out of something, stop doing it. Stop doing it. No one's forcing you to do it. If you feel like you're going to lose your friends or you're going to like lose the community that you've built, you don't have to. You really don't have to. I have so many fucking friends who I became friends with them because we all watched Game of Thrones together. Game of Thrones is over, babes. I don't like Game of Thrones anymore. And guess what? We're all still friends. Like, I still have that community. So yeah, campaign two, in a nutshell, loved it. The scenes that I cried the most at in the finale, and like, this is so fucking embarrassing and this is so indicative of who I am as a person, but... (laughs) The scene that I got absolutely hysterical over was the scene where Caleb let Frumpkin go. I was a fucking mess. Something that I don't think I've talked about really on the pod, but I people who know me know this. I'm a big animal lover. I have been doing animal rescue for, God, the better part of a decade like me personally and my family. The first pets that we rescued, I mean, we did we did involvement with rescue when I was growing up and stuff. We would do transports. We would we would take dogs from one shelter to another or take them from a shelter to their adoptive families. The first pets, dogs that I fostered was a a dog that had just had six puppies. And there was a heat wave. They couldn't stay at the shelter. So they came to our house and then the mom got sick, but she was already adopted. So she went to the hospital, got better, and then went to her adoptive family right away. And we kept all the puppies until they were ready to be adopted. And it just kind of went from there. I have fostered dozens of cats, dogs, puppies, kittens, uh, a pig once. I had a pig in my house for like a week. He was really cute. His name was Romeo and he loved Cheerios and peppermints. He was adorable. But the bond that Caleb and Frumpkin have is something that, and I know Frumpkin's not a real cat. I know, I know he's not, but he is a cat. It's just like Caleb says, he's a cat. So that moment of growth was so beautiful and so sad, and I'm going to get emotional talking about it. But another thing that got me real choked up was Jester talking about not going back to live with her mama. I don't know why that got me really, that got me in the feels, but her deciding to go on the sea with Ford was beautiful. I loved when she told him, I love you while he was falling asleep. And then she went to go modify memory on him and then she didn't have the spell slots. That was fucking funny. And then he, he kind of did the same thing to her. It was very, very cute and very sweet. I'll talk a little bit more about Ford and Jester in a bit when I talk about a listener email that I got. First listener email after doing this for about three months. But you know, hey, that's that's the game, right? You got to start somewhere. Like I said, just like CR, you got to start somewhere. The other thing that got me right in the feels was Essek. Uh, Again, I have a, a quite controversial opinion about Essek. It's that I didn't really give a fuck about him until this last leg of the Mighty Nines journey uh, when he joined them to go into the Astral Sea and uh, go confront Lucian. I didn't really care about him. He just wasn't an interesting character to me. And then when he started to get a lot more complexity and layers to him is when I really started to enjoy him. 
I would love to see him in something, you know, uh, some kind of supplementary media or something. That would be great. Caleb's scene, too, at his parents' grave was, whew, Matt even got a little emotional, too. That was, that was really beautiful. But the thing that really, 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 really got me in the end was Yasha and Bo and her bringing the book of the flowers to Zuala. That was so beautiful. And it, it got me really emotional. And, you know, this is, again, something that I, I've talked about. I, I do ship Bo and Jester. Don't get me wrong. But I'm really happy with the way that the endgame ships panned out. The thing that completely broke me at the end there was Matt getting emotional and breaking down and crying. Like I said, there's just something so powerful about the empathy that he possesses. I hate calling myself an empath because I feel like people who call themselves empaths shouldn't be able to say that with a straight face because it's like if you're such an empath, then you shouldn't have to say it. But I would consider myself to be a pretty empathetic person in a way that's kind of crippling sometimes, right? Like I find myself in situations where it's very hard for me to communicate comfort and gratitude and thanks to people. And for Matt, it just comes so naturally and so easily. And there's something, I feel this way about Liam as well. There's something very, and I don't mean this in like a creepy way. There's something very attractive about men who are willing to actually display their vulnerability in front of others and just in general, right? And Sam has done that as well. Like, one of my favorite fucking moments from campaign one was the Vecna fight when Sam slash Scanlan had to use his really high level spell to counterspell Vecna when he was saving that spell for a wish to save Vax. And Liam just looked at him and said, you know, don't be sorry. I'm not sorry. And then said, I love you. And Sam burst into tears, like completely broke down, sobbing at the table. It's again those moments of humanity that make critical role what it is. And it's what touches us and it's what makes us love it so much. And it's so fucking special. <laughs> like genuinely, I've watched a lot of things in my life that didn't make me feel an ounce of what I feel for critical role. And I don't know if it's just because it's something like relatively new to me. Maybe someday I'll experience burnout on it. But I really, really, really needed something like this. I really fucking needed this. And I'm a firm believer that everything that comes into our lives comes into our lives at that time because we need it the most, which is why I'm not done covering critical role content. That was a great segue. Fuck, I'm getting really good at this, even unscripted. <laughs> I have talked about this a little bit with friends, and I think if I can handle it, in addition to covering the first season of Arcane, I am also going to be diving into the written works of Critical Role, which I believe is mainly the Kith and Kin novel. I know there's like a Lucian novel out too, right? Or maybe it's coming out. I don't know. And the comics. I know that the comics are a bit divisive. I know that they're not exactly loved by everyone, but I'm willing to give them a try simply because it's more material for me to get into. And I really don't want to let go of Vox Machina 
and then wait, you know, nine, ten months, a year, however long it's going to be until season three, because I fucking love them. <laughs> like, it's like I said, I, I just absolutely adore them. And I want to keep them around and keep them on the podcast for as long as possible. So I don't know when exactly that's going to be, but I will have to add it to my schedule, add it to my itinerary. I have received a bit of a sign from the universe that I have not been dedicated enough or motivated enough to make things happen for myself. And I think doing a little bit of a book club on this podcast will make me feel a little bit more motivated. I used to run a um, a little bit of a book club in a Facebook group that I was a moderator for, and I really enjoyed it. Like, I really enjoyed the weekly discussions about what we were reading, and I enjoyed organizing it and delegating. And if slash when I start doing this, leaning more towards when, I want to start with Kith and Kin. And what I'll probably do is I'll probably read it as well as listen to it because I know that Liam and Laura do some narration for it. So I think that that would be fun to listen to as well because I love them both so very much. And yeah, that's kind of all I have to talk about today. Uh, Today I am recording this right now on Monday, March 13th. So this will probably be out tomorrow or Wednesday or whatever. This is a short one, but stay tuned for my first episode talking about Arcane this Friday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. It's going to be a good one. I haven't watched the show since my first time watching it, like probably over a year ago at this point. So I am looking forward to rewatching it and revisiting it. And until then, be fucking safe, crazy ass world out there still, and don't forget to love each other.